Welcome to Perturbations, a show which seeks to wrestle with the ineffable and strange encounters associated with the human experience of the world. I'm your host, Nathan, and through these episodes, I will attempt to explore the territory of the familiar punctuated by the bizarre. I'm convinced there is value and truth in both discomfort and disquiet that these perturbations shake us out of the trance which we collectively call reality. Before I bring on today's guest, I want to share a little bit about me, as I think it will be helpful as we all partner together to create a meaningful conversation. I have a deep history with the Christian tradition, namely the liberal mainline Protestant traditions of the West. My father was a Baptist minister and preacher, and following my undergraduate studies, I went on to complete a seminary degree, thinking that a pursuit of knowledge was a divine calling into and of itself and that such knowledge would illuminate and deepen the faith of my young adulthood. However, like many seminarians, things didn't quite go as I had planned, and early on in my studies, I realized that the teachings of the church were not aligned with my particular view of reality at the time and of the world. And you see, while I was not only raised in the faith, I was also steeped in the materialist worldview, of which most of us are intimately familiar in this worldview, there is matter and all range of experience from consciousness to the behaviors of the cosmos derived from the fundamental properties of this substance. And in a materialist perspective, there is no afterlife. There are no supernatural miracles and no heavenly realms. Life is short and then you die. Yes, of course, we can celebrate the achievements of humanity from art to science, but there is no imperative within nature that we create these things. There is no underlying meaning to this view of reality other than that which can be reduced to its fundamental parts. As a result of looking at the world in this way, I never pursued a life in the ministry. I spent the last 20 years developing my professional career, starting a family, and going about my days much like most of us in the West, working nine to five, entertaining myself with movies, music, and friends, thinking about the deeper questions from time to time, but not giving them too much thought. And then along came the UFO and those who have articulated their experiences with them, their occupants, and all manner of strange occurrences in the world. These accounts and miraculous accounts confronted me. They troubled me and they forced me to take them seriously. As a result, I'm the co-host of two podcasts focused on the UFO phenomena and other elements of high strangeness and I am pursuing conversations which grapple with these oddities of the human experience in hopes of coming to a deeper understanding of who we are and what it really means to be human. Today's guest, Raymond Nader, was born in the early 1960s in Lebanon, and he obtained degrees in both electromechanical engineering from St. Joseph University in Beirut and in nuclear physics in London. Since he was a child, he was fascinated with the story of creation and the universe, and he also had a keen interest in what happens after we die. During the Lebanese War, Raymond enrolled in the Lebanese Christian forces and participated in various battles defending the Christian community. He served as a high-ranking officer and was the commander of the School of Officers. At the end of the war, he pursued a career in business, but also continued to pray at the Hermitage of St. Charbel in Anea, Lebanon. And it was there during a cold November night in 1994, he had an encounter which changed his life forever. And we're going to explore that encounter with him today. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show, Raymond Nader. Hi, Raymond. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Good. How are you? Welcome. I'm uh, 
so pleased to meet you but uh, just to let you know that we have a problem with the internet i couldn't pick up all the words that you said <laughs> but okay. i understood the whole i understood the whole subject so you, are you hearing me well very well thank you very well Perfect. Well, okay. I want to get, get started. And, and Raymond, um, our audience today has probably very little familiarity with your background and your experience. Um, most of the things that I talk about are UFOs and, and paranormal things. They're not things that are within the realm of the, of the Christian faith, of miracles, of saints, canonization, all of those kinds of experiences. That's not part of the normal conversation that I have. And most of my listeners aren't used to hearing that kind of conversation. But I want us to explore that territory today. And I want to start with the Maronite Church, because I, I didn't know anything about it. And I want you to maybe explain to folks the history of the Maronite Christian branch of the church in Lebanon. Okay, the Maronite Church is a part of the Eastern Churches. The Eastern Churches are the first church, Christian churches in the world, you know, because the, the church started in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, founded by Jesus Christ. And the first apostles started preaching all around Jerusalem, and they reached the coast of Lebanon. And the first churches were uh, founded uh, at the coast of Lebanon, in Biblos, Ishbael, in Tyre, in Sidon. And the mountains of Lebanon were still uh, um, under the control of uh, pagans, let's say. So the mountains of Lebanon were still pagan while the Christianity started to spread on the coast of Lebanon. In the fourth century, some monks, followers of St. Maron, St. Maron was a hermit living in uh, an area called Korush, which is in, uh, to the north of Lebanon. So he was living there. Uh, some uh, people around him were uh, like students or disciples for St. Maron. So they started preaching Jesus Christ all around the area in the north. And then uh, the Christianity started spreading in the mountains of Lebanon, where the pagan temples were there. About the, They were Phoenicians, uh, worshipping uh, Adon and Astarte, so the, the disciples of St. Maron came to the mountains of Lebanon and started uh, converting those pagans into Christianity. And they were called uh, Maronites because they are the disciples of St. Maron. So that's why they were called Maronites. So they are Christians, Maronites. Uh, they started in the 4th century. And the Maronite Church started in the first century. There was just Christians, but called Maronite because they were followers of uh, the disciples of St. Maron. And the Maronite Church was following uh, Rome, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope. And they were in relation with, uh, with the Pope uh, since their foundation. So the Maronite Church is a Catholic Church following uh, Rome since its foundation in the 4th century uh, till now. The patriarch of uh, the Maronite Church is a cardinal in uh, the Roman Catholic Church. So we are following the same dogmas, the same... Uh, we have a special liturgy for us, which is the liturgy of the first churches. We still have our uh, tradition, our special tradition, but as teaching and dogma, we are <clears throat> sorry. If we are following 
the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. We are Catholics. So in brief, this is the Maronite Church. We have we have we are a bit independent as liturgy and tradition. But as I said, as teaching and dogma, we are following the, 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 the Catholic Church. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about St. Charbel. Uh, he was born in the 1800s, correct? And he uh, lived a kind of a very simple life. Can you tell us a little bit about his life and, and what happened after his life? Okay, St. Charbel was a monk in the Lebanese order of monks, a Maronite monk, like the disciples of St. Maron. They have a special way of life in the monasteries, closed. It, it started by being uh, closed monasteries just for prayers and meditation. So uh, St. Charbel was one of uh, these uh, monks. He was born in 1828, on May 8th, 1828, in, uh, in the northern part of Lebanon, a small village called Kakafra. Kakafra is the highest village in the Middle East. It's... Uh, around uh, 1,600 meters above sea level. It's a cold village covered in snow during winter time. So he was born there in a very poor family, living in a very traditional houses built only of stones, just piled one uh, over the other, and uh, a wooden roof. <clears throat> they were mainly farmers, so he was uh, born in Bakafra, working in the fields, uh, and then at the age of 23, he left uh, Akafra and he joined a monastery in a village called uh, Kfifan, where he started his uh, uh, seminarian studies. And then he finished uh, theology in uh, Kfifan. He, and, uh, he was uh, ordained priest. And then he went to Annaya, to monastery of St. Maren in Annaya where he lived for 16 years in the monastery and then 23 years as a hermit in the hermitage, just on a hill over uh, maybe 20 minutes away from the monastery. So he was living as a hermit alone for 23 years. They have a very strict laws and rules to follow, which means they sleep only for three hours they eat only once a day, only uh, vegetables and uh, bread. They are not allowed to uh, to warm themselves using any mean, any fire or anything during winter time. All they have to do is to pray seven times a day and to work in the fields. They were growing grapes and uh, wheat. And they lived there 23 years in meditation and uh, working in the fields. So uh, he started his day in around uh, 3 in the morning, started by uh, the morning prayers, and then he has his Mass at 5. And then after the Mass, he continued uh, praying and then working in the fields, coming back to the midday prayers, going back to work in the fields, and then coming for the evening prayers, and then for the night prayers, and then midnight prayers, and then the the morning prayers and it it uh, will it, it go in the same same uh, sa same thing for 23 years wow. so sometimes some someone will find it very very boring life but for a hermit living a very special state of uh, of being or, or 
existence. It's not boring at all because he was like climbing every day for a higher altitude in, uh, in, in, in his spiritual life. So he died in, uh, on the Christmas Eve in 1898. He was 70 years old. So the night uh, he, was, uh, he was put in the, in, the, in the church, in the monastery, so they brought him down from the hermitage to put him in the, in the monastery. A strange light was coming out from the tabernacle to his head. So like uh, beams of light were coming out from the tabernacle and illuminating his head while he was uh, laying in the church. After that, he was um, carried to the, to the grave, to the tomb. He was put in a preliminary to tomb. And they noticed in all around the region that uh, some strange light was coming out of his tomb every night. So and this phenomenon kept going for four months till uh, five months till uh, the, around May. So around May, they decided to open the grave to take out the body of St. Charbel to, to see what's going on inside the grave. So they opened the grave. They took out the body of St. Charbel. He was like sleeping. He was not corrupted. Exactly like sleeping, his uh, body was uh, flexible. So uh, they changed his clothes. They put him in a, in a box or in a kind of a gasket. They noticed uh, after a while that he was sweating. So there was uh, drops of sweat on his uh, forehead. And then they realized that all his body was sweating. It was a special kind of sweat. It was a, 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 like of, uh, a kind of plasma. It was a mixture of blood and uh, and sweat. So he kept sweating for uh, 67 years. So they changed his clothes uh, dozens of times. Our, the, first, uh, the first gasket was worn out. So they changed it for an, to another one, to a new one. And uh, the second gasket was worn out as well. So they put him in another one, in a third one. And it was worn out with time as well. So they put him in another one till the 1965. In 1965, he was uh, announced uh, blessed in, uh, in the Vatican, he was beatified. At the day of his beatification, he stopped sweating. So they put him in a gasket made up of uh, cedar's wood, where it is still till now. So uh, his body now, uh, it's, uh, it's in an amazing shape. So his, he has uh, no flesh, he has only bones and skin, and he stopped uh, sweating since uh, his beatification in 1898. It was in December 4th. Uh, it was in uh, October 9th, 1898. So uh, this is uh, so after his death, uh, many people were uh, visiting his uh, his tomb in in, in Anaya and the monastery, and. Um, Many sick people were healed just by being there, praying or touching the stones there or touching his uh, his body when he was exposed and then touching his gasket when he was in the, in the gasket. Thousands of miracles happened. Thousands of people with different type of uh, sickness or illness were healed. So some were blind, some were deaf, some were uh, paralyzed, some others with, can with cancers or with the chronical diseases, thousands of uh, them were, were, were healed. Till now, uh, the registered one, the official registered 
Miracles in Arnaya are around 30,000 ones, scientifically proved and uh, officially registered. And there are um, more than 100,000 which are not uh, registered or they are still under studies to be confirmed. And those miracles are happening all around the world, not only in, in Anaya. So people who are visiting Anaya, thousands of sick people are healed. And which is amazing now, now is that uh, the last 30 years, the action, the activity of Saint Sherbil uh, was multiplied. So he's appearing to many people all around the world in different countries, appearing to them, mostly sick people, healing them. Sometimes he's telling them who he is. They, he, said, he says to them that I am Sharbil Makhlouf from Lebanon and I want to heal you and he healed them. Sometimes he appears and he healed the sick without saying any word. And the, the sick people who are sometimes strange, they don't know who he is. Two days ago, I was in Anaya during our uh, weekly meeting. We meet every Friday in Anaya to pray and to celebrate the Mass. So I met one uh, one of our members. His name is Roger. He was in Senegal. And he was in the middle of the jungles in Senegal uh, for his work. And then he noticed that one booth was exposing some some gadgets made of uh, woods and tissues and they were selling them the black african people and he he was shocked to see the picture of saint sherbil among the that it, that it was hanged it was hanged uh, above the head of uh, the man who was selling these uh, gadgets so he asked him uh, what is saint sherbil doing here so he told his story to to roger he said that he was sick 10 years ago he was in um, like a fourth stage cancer and was dying. And this man appeared to him uh, at night and he said to him, I will heal you. So he healed him. And uh, the second morning he was totally healed. And after four years, he didn't know who, he didn't know who is this guy who healed him at, uh, at first. So after four years, uh, one tourist was visiting the Senegal in the, jungle, in the jungles and he passed by his booth. He bought some gadgets and he was paying. It was a woman. While she was paying, she opened her wallet and uh, the man there uh, saw the picture of Saint Sherbel in her wallet. She was Lebanese. So uh, he screamed, who is this guy? She said, this is Saint Sherbel from Lebanon. And then he said, he recognized him. And he said to the woman that this man appeared to him four years ago and uh, he healed him. And this happened 10 years ago. So this story that I told now, I'm hearing it all over the world, wherever I go, from the Philippines to Indonesia to Australia to, uh, to Russia to India to uh, the Arab countries, to Europe, uh, the USA, uh, Latin America, everywhere around the world, people uh, are experiencing this type of feeling with this man. Someone who uh, knows him, some others who uh, don't know him, so this is the activity of Saint Sherbil now, and he is, uh, he had, uh, he is carrying one message. This message is like a wake-up call for people to, to look up uh, a bit above their, uh, their heads, not to be totally drowned in the material things, just think about their souls, 
not only about uh, their bodies and their material things. So he's uh, leaving a lot of messages. Maybe during our my talk, I will uh, try to pass you some of his uh, messages, calling people for uh, conversion, calling people for love, for peace, for care, to love each other, to help each other, to, uh, to avoid uh, wars, to avoid violence, to avoid clashes, to uh, just to make their ways towards heaven because they will not stay here for long. We are just uh, travelers in this world. So uh, we pass few years in this world and then we leave. So St. Sherbel is like guiding them to the best place where they can spend their eternity instead of losing their souls. So this is in brief the story of St. Sherbel as, as a monk as in, and as a saint. I had the, 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 the grace of meeting him 30 years ago. So yesterday, November 10th, it was my 29th anniversary with my first encounter with him. So this is my 30 years jubilee that started yesterday. I met him more than 55 times. So and every time it's like the same encounter, I feel like I'm diving in a special, undescribable light, very bright light, very powerful light that I cannot uh, describe in words. I just say, I'm describing it in a few words, that it's much brighter than billions of suns. I always say that if you put the sun in this light, it will be like a small candle compared to this huge, bright, transparent, uh, smooth light at the same time. You know, the sun is very powerful, but it has a lot of heat and you cannot look at it uh, easily. This light is much, it's, I said that it's billions of times more powerful than the sun, but it has uh, no heat, it's not burning. You can look at it uh, with ease for hours without having any dizzling in your eyes. It's so transparent, it's, it's, it's like a crystal. I said it's crystal light. So, and when I'm diving in this light, I receive these uh, messages. And uh, this, uh, these messages are most of the times accompanied by a, a, a sign that I receive on my arm. It's a sign of five fingers engraved in my, uh, my skin and my flesh that bleed for five days and then disappear. So uh, every time it's the same experience, I dive, I feel like this, uh, this uh, beautiful light is uh, surrounding me all around, not only surrounding me, I feel that if this light is, uh, is filling the whole universe and I'm just a small, tiny drop in this light, I feel this very special feeling that, again, I cannot describe. It's a, it's a mixture of uh, a very deep and big joy, a huge feeling of uh, peace, joy, tenderness, love, affection. But it's uh, so amplified that uh, so tense and so powerful feeling. And the first time that I met this light, and when I asked him, when he, he started uh, talking to me, I'm not following the chronological... Uh, and it's okay, uh, it's okay. 
Yeah, so the first time I met him when I when when this light shined all around me and uh, kind of enveloping me. So I was like a shock, not knowing what's 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 going on because this happened after several events that happened uh, sequentially. So when I asked him, "Who are you?" he didn't uh, show me his face and he didn't tell me his name. Just he he made me feel him. So then I felt this 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 feeling, which is a mixture of uh, powerful joy and peace and love and tenderness and kind of special affection. And he said to me, uh, "This is who I am." And uh, since that time, I'm. I met him for I said more than fifty times during the last three thirty years. Every time I receive a special message, um, uh, and this was always I says the repeated. I see uh, I dive in, in in this light. I met I meet this uh, wonderful being full of love and joy and peace. I receive this message and I receive and uh, the, the the sign is renewed on my arm. It's the sign, as I said, of five fingers imprinted in, in, in on my arm, bleeding uh, like uh, blood and water for five, four or five days. And then uh, they disappear, leaving just uh, a, a superficial slight uh, mark of fingerprints. So this is in brief my story with, uh, with the light and with, with, with St. Sherbel. Since then, we founded a, a group, a community called the Family of Saint Charbel. The Family of Saint Charbel now is spreading all around the world. Uh, the objective of the Family of Saint Charbel, the goals of the family, is to spread the messages of Saint Charbel, which are the messages of Christ, the message of the Bible, the message of uh, conversion to get back to God to get back to the essential and to the essential meaning of our lives. Because, you know, all my story started when I was a child with one question, which was, what's the meaning of life? What are we doing on this planet? Why did God create us? What is the purpose of our lives? And I was a child, I was happy, I was playing music, um, sports, going to school. Um, uh, La Vie en Rose, it was uh, like La Vie en Rose, Pink Life, everything was great, till I reached uh, 13 years old. Since then, something changed in the country, the war started in Lebanon in 1975, then that's when I joined uh, the Lebanese Christian forces, and I kept fighting for um, 15 years, the war uh, uh, was going on for 15 years in Lebanon and uh, the war was very tough. I lost a lot of my friends and then I started asking what is the meaning of life from a different perspective because I started asking why uh, why do we die? If there is a creator, then that was my questions then, why is allowing us to die? He's, he, he created us and we are very beautiful beings. You know, the human being is very complicated. He has different systems, digestive system, nervous systems. He has a, a brain of billions of uh, neurons working perfectly together. It's a, it's a very fantastic machine. And uh, it's, it's very beautiful, working perfectly. But the 
So why he will allow to this creation that he made, why he will allow it to die, to go back to dust, just to go back to nothing? So I started asking this strategic question for every human being. What are we doing on this planet? And why do we leave this planet? And when we leave this planet, where we will go? There will be another place to go to or uh, everything will stop and nothing will happen. Or we will be in kind what uh, our religion is called it heaven or hell. You know, because I was born a Christian, I was raised as Christian. So I was taught the, 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 the Christian uh, teachings, uh, talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the incarnation of Jesus, and then his crucifixion, his death, and then his uh, resurrection. And I was believing all this, these things that my parents uh, taught me since my childhood. But when I was growing up, I started asking uh, hard questions. Because... Uh, I went to the scientific realm, I uh, started studying sciences, and then I went to the, to the university, I specialized in engineering, electromechanical engineering, and then I went to London when, uh, where I specialized in nuclear engineering. And I, uh, I chose those, uh, those majors uh, to specialize in, these, in, in engineering, and especially in nuclear not to work in the, the nuclear engineering, but just to know more about the composition of the matter, about the universe, how the universe is functioning, what are the stars, what are the planets, what are, what are galaxies. Mm. And then to go deeper to know what are atoms, what are molecules, what are electrons, neutrons, protons, quarks, what, what is the matter exactly. Just to know more about life and to try to discover what will be after life, after death. So since then, all my focus was on God, creation, life, life after life, or life after death. Until this meeting in November 10th, 1994, on the mountain of Anaya in Lebanon, where I, uh, I met this light and I met Saint Sherbel. And since then, I think that things are... Uh, very clear to me. I know now why did God create us and why do we die if we die? What is the meaning of life and where we are heading to and what are the choices that we have to make to choose our last destination, our final destination. Right. So now in brief, this is my story, which I said, I apologize that it was not chronologically uh, correct. But uh, if you uh, assemble it all together, you will have an idea. About <laughs> absolutely. Well, I want to take you, uh, I want, it was absolutely beautiful, and thank you for sharing that. I, I wonder if you could take us back to the night in November, and it was your practice to go up to the hermitage. I remember you saying after dinner time, you would sort of put the kids to bed, and you would kind of go and pray up at the hermitage, and it was particularly cold that night, so you had a sweater on, and it, tell us what happened there. Just give us a Paint us a picture of what happened at the Hermitage. Okay, okay. Uh, I went up to Anaya like every night. I used to go to, up to Anaya to pray at the Hermitage. I started going up in 1985. At the beginning of 1985, at the end of 1984, I started going up to Anaya to, to meditate, to pray, to think, to try to find answers for these fundamental questions about life. 
about life after life, about what I was saying now. So I used to go up uh, almost every night uh, during uh, springtime and summertime. During wintertime, it's, it's extremely cold there with a lot of snow. So uh, I go up there then uh, randomly when the, the, the weather will permit me to, to, to reach the, the area. So that time, it was November 10th, 1994. I finished my, my, my work during the day. I came home. Uh, I spent time with my family, teaching the kids, talking to my wife, like um, it's normal life. And then at the, around 10 o'clock, like every night, I say bye to my wife. And I went up to Hanaya. It was cold, rainy when I went up, when I went from home. And then I reached Hanaya. It was around 10.30 maybe. It takes 30 minutes from my home to reach the Hermitage. And then it, um, uh, there was uh, no rain up there it was extremely cold i walked from the monastery to the hermitage it took me around 30 minutes and then i reached the hermitage and i do uh, i did the, the ritual that i do every day so i lit up some candles five candles and uh, i knelt down in front of the candles and i started reading them after doing my uh, what i say to uh, um, i said to vacuum my heart, to make uh, emptiness inside my heart. I call it uh, to vacuum my heart. I mean that uh, I lay, uh, I lay down on my back. I open my arms. I look at the at the sky, and I start let the noise come out of my head and my heart and my being to prepare myself for prayers. And I love doing this since my childhood. I was five or six years old. I love to go up to the roof of our house to lay, lay down on my back, open my, uh, my arms and look at the skies for hours. I loved watching the stars. When I was a kid, I looked at the stars differently. I, I, I thought that this was small uh, buttons of lights hanging in the, in, in the, in the sky. Hmm. And after that, when I was growing and studying about the stars, knowing that they are huge... Uh, balls of fire and then knowing more and more about the stars even knowing them by names after that so I, but I, I, I continued uh, laying down on my uh, laying on my back opening my arms and looking at the sky I, I me even I do it I, I I still do it right till till uh, till now I'm 62 years old and I love to do it wonderful and I advise everyone to do it because it, it gives you a special feeling. I say that I, I name it the feeling, the unit, the, the feeling of the universe. Mm. So you can stare at a, a specific star, and then you you move to another one, and then to another one. You keep moving from star to star, to start jumping from a star to another one. Mm. And after a few minutes, let's say thirty or forty-five minutes, you you, you get a special feeling. A feeling of fullness, a feeling of uh, communication with the universe. It's, it's something so beautiful. So I did this uh, like I do every day, and then I started praying. I lit up the candles, I knelt down in front of the candles, I opened the Bible, started reading the Bible. I read the passage of the Bible. It was Matthew 25. 
the parable of the talents. So I read it and I was meditating on it, thinking about it. What does Jesus mean by telling us this parable? And then it was around midnight. It was extremely cold. It was maybe around zero degrees centigrade. Maybe it's 32 in Fahrenheit, I think so. That's right, yeah. So it was uh, very cold. And then I started feeling a small, uh, a, a slight uh, warm breeze surrounding me. And I started feeling warm. So my body started reacting to, uh, to, uh, to something warm instead of the cold that was surrounding me. So uh, I was like uh, a bit surprised feeling this uh, warm breeze in Annaya at 1,300 meters above the sea level in November. So I started thinking about the cause of this uh, breeze. And then when I was thinking, analyzing, this warm breeze started uh, blowing uh, stronger. And in a few minutes, it was transformed into a very powerful uh, wind blowing all around me and becoming very hot. It was uh, the heat of uh, the wind was becoming higher and higher. And then it was blowing um, stronger and stronger. In a few minutes, it was very powerful wind blowing. It was very hot wind blowing all around me, shaking the trees, uh, blowing everything around me. And I was looking at the candles. I was like shocked when I saw that the flames of the candles were not moving. So every, everything around me was moving. The trees, the, 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 the sand, the leaves. Even uh, I felt that uh, the, the, the wind was so powerful that it was pushing me to. I was around. I was uh, uh, like, uh, like, like resisting the wind not, uh, not to blow me and uh, make me fall. It was so hot that I was obliged to take off my pullover and my shirt and I was sweating. And then I really was shocked when I looked at the candles and I saw that the flames are not moving. They were standing still like, like electrical bulbs. Hmm. So as a, a scientific, as I said that I'm, I'm surely hallucinating. I thought that I have a high fever and my fever... Um, passed uh, above uh, the 41 degrees. Mm. Then I know when you reach uh, 41 uh, degrees, uh, the neurons will start uh, messing up and they will not work properly. So I thought that, okay, I have fever. I'm hallucinating. Mm. But I was feeling well. I was not feeling like sick. So I decided to touch the flames. I said, okay, I will touch the flames to make sure that these are flames. And... Uh, just to make sure that I'm not hallucinating or to make sure that I'm hallucinating. Right. So uh, I decided to stretch out my hand and to touch the flames. And at that very moment, when I decided to touch the flames, I was like transported to another world. So I lost all my senses. I stopped feeling my body. I stopped feeling. I, I didn't uh, realize then if I'm standing up or kneeling down. I stopped feeling my body. I, I didn't... Uh, I couldn't feel if I'm feeling warm or feeling cold. And then I stopped hearing anything. You know, there was the, the night sounds, the night noise. 
dogs barkings uh, foxes uh, the sound of foxings foxes the wind uh, you know the trees shaking a lot of noise during the, the night and then suddenly everything stopped absolute mm -hmm. it was an absolute silence And then I uh, felt myself, like I, I said, the diving in this light that really I cannot describe. It's not, it's not a light. I, I, I named it light. Mm. Because it is uh, so powerful. I said that it's much more powerful than billions of suns uh, burning together. But it was not coming from a source of fire. It was not fire. It was something... A powerful light, a huge light, very bright light, but not uh, firelight. It's, it's not what this was not burning, not dizzling the eyes. I could look at it. Uh, it's so beautiful, like looking in. It, it's like a huge ball of crystal, but it was not material. You cannot touch it. It's light, but it's a crystal light. So beautiful, so powerful. And then I felt start feeling. I started feeling uh, the presence of someone. I felt that, okay, someone is present here. I couldn't see anyone because I saw only the light. Hmm. But I was like feeling that, okay, someone is here. There is a being somewhere around me. It was like uh, a being merging with the light. Hmm. So the, this being was not the, a concrete being, someone that I can touch. I felt that this light is a being. So... Hmm. I said, speaking to myself, I said to myself that I'm dreaming. So this light or this, or this being started answering me. He said, no, you're not dreaming. <laughs> And he was communicating with me with a very, very, very strange way of communication. <laughs> so he was speaking to me without speaking. So he was not using words. He was not using sentences. He was not using any language. He has not a voice. But he was extremely clear. He said, you are not dreaming in his way. Hmm. It was like downloading info in my, in my head. Hmm. So then I was um, more surprised. I said to myself, maybe I'm not conscious now. So hmm. he said to me again in, in his way, without words, without any language, without a voice, very clearly he said to me, now you are conscious. You have never been as conscious as you are now. So then I started asking questions, and the main question was, okay, who are you? And then when I asked him, who are you? He revealed himself to me in his way. Mm. So he let me feel him. So I felt then like a feeling invading me. It was something invading me and make me feel this strange feeling, which was a mixture of uh, an immense, huge, transcendent love mm. and joy and peace, and strength, and power. And then he said to me then, he was saying like, okay, this is who I am. This is me. And then I was so happy that I stopped asking questions. I, <laughs> uh, I focused on only one thing. I, all, all that I want at that moment is to stay in this status, to not move. I didn't mm -hmm. want him to go. Right. Because I was so happy and I didn't, I didn't want to lose him. So I said to myself that I want to tell him to stay. And if you want to go, please take me with you. I don't want to, to lose being with you. And then he said to me, I'm always everywhere. Hmm. And uh, the, the light uh, went. I don't know. 
if he wants or I went. <laughs> and I found myself at the same place, in the hermitage, with the, the candles totally consumed. I looked at the candles, I saw that the candles, which were long candles, were con totally consumed. And then I realized that a long time passed. So I looked at my watch. It was 3.35 in the morning. Oh. I realized then that more than four hours passed quickly, like a second. I didn't mm. feel time flowing. So I was uh, more and more surprised and shocked to, <laughs> to see that four hours and a half maybe passed like a lightning, like a second. I couldn't understand anything. I put on my clothes again. I took off the remaining of the candles, put them in the bag with my Bible. And I went back to my car. I was walking. And while I was walking back on the car, I was, I was still feeling this feeling of joy and peace and love in my heart. And I started feeling something on my left arm, like a slight pressure and uh, a bit of warmth, something... Uh, warm and uh, pressing on my arm and then um, I didn't pay a lot of attention on my arm I was thinking about the light about the wind about what happened about the feeling that I have and then while I was working I started feeling that my sleeve are sticking to my stick to my skin so when I reached the car I put off my pullover again and I uh, up my sleeve and I, I then I saw that uh, there is blood and water all over my arm and uh, five fingers printed on my left arm printed with the phalanxes it was a very clear hand mm -hmm. on my arm and blood and water coming out from, from the fingers so I started touching the fingers because I didn't feel it I didn't feel any pain so I started touching the fingers. I didn't feel any pain. I thought again that maybe it's a hallucination because this quantity of blood and water coming out from these fingers, it should be harmful. It, I, I should feel some pain or I wasn't feeling anything. So anyway, I went back to my car. I went uh, home. And the first one to see the mark was my wife. When she looked at it, she made the sign of the cross and she asked me about the sign. She said, whose fingers are these? So I told her quickly what happened to me. And uh, we started dealing with the, with, the, with the blood and the water coming out. We put uh, tissues, uh, cottons, I think, to stop the, the, the blood. Mm. And uh, I, I, I stayed at home for uh, four days, three, four days. It was a night of uh, Wednesday, Thursday. I stayed at home till Sunday. Till, uh, yeah, till Sunday. Sunday I went to see uh, the Bishop of Beirut and then the Superior General of the Monastery of uh, St. Cherbil to tell them what happened to me. And then I started uh, a kind of new life. I had, since that moment, a new vision to the world, a new vision to life, a new understanding for life, a new understanding for, for the human value, for the creation. And I didn't stop my research. On the contrary, I kept searching more, reading more of the Bible, reading, get involved more into science. Uh, I was uh, uh, reading more about uh, nuclear science, about cosmology, about new discoveries. And I still, till now, 
like updating my scientific knowledge mm. and at the same time updating my my spiritual knowledge and passing a lot of time during my days uh, praying meditating to get uh, more in communion with uh, with my lord with with saint charbel with heaven with the saints and with uh, with our home let's say because mm-hmm. i believe now that uh, our home is not this planet we belong to another real home where we should be heading mm. at home uh, I, I i'm sure now i believe that we will meet uh, our creator and uh, all the people who uh, achieved the goal for which they were created mm. and i believe now that god the creator created us to be perfect as jesus said be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect so we spend our lifetime on this earth trying to get perfection to be perfect and this perfection is only attained through love love is perfecting us we have to reach this uh, perfection in love perfection in uh, in care perfection in uh, in the communion mm. with the creator and in the communion with each others the human beings and i'm you know that uh, now when i'm i feel joy i feel joy multiplied by billions of times mm. And when I feel sadness as well, I feel sadness multiplied by billions of times. When I see people oppressed and people killed, and when I see some places in the world where they don't realize and recognize the value of the human being, I feel extremely sad. And when I see people working for peace and love and communion and perfection, I feel a tremendous joy. So that's why now or I dedicated all my life to talk about this light about our heavenly home to invite people to work on love and peace and for me the symbol of life the icon the symbol of love the icon of love the love incarnated is Jesus Christ the love crucified for us the love who gave us his life because he said Jesus said that there is no greater love than giving our lives so now i'm inviting people to not to be attached to to the, to the material things mm-hmm. but to be attached to the values to the valuable things which are the spiritual things which we can attain through through love in loving our creator and loving each others as jesus mm-hmm. said those two golden uh, commandments that's right so this is what i'm i'm doing now and uh, i'm working uh, on uh, two tracks i'm still working on the scientific track mm. i'm following up all the new scientific discoveries and at the same time i'm working on the spiritual tracks to have more spiritual experiences to get deeper and deeper in knowing the truth and uh, to prepare myself to my final destination mm. Wonderful. Well, I want to take some time to maybe show the audience, if it's okay with you, I want to show them a photo from the website of of the injury that you had or the the mark that you had. Um, So let me put that on the screen so everyone can see 
All right, so this was uh, how how long had it been from when this happened and when you took the photograph? How how long? Uh, this was taken the last day. Okay. You know, it 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 it, it stay on my arm for like four or five days. The first day, it's uh, you can see that it's a bleeding. It's mm -hmm. uh, clear red, and this, then it started like drying. This one is uh, the last day before uh, it disappears. Like this, this one is dried, so you can see that there is not, uh, there is no blood coming out of it. It's it's dried, and after that, they uh, they this uh, this uh, this crest will uh, will uh, will fall down, and uh, the remaining will be just fingerprints. So I don't so know. The, so the 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 scab, that's what I would call it, the crust, as you say would 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 go but then what would be left would just be kind of a, a faint impression of the fingers is that what would remain and, and so th does the faint impression on your arms is it still there now or did, does it kind of completely gone and then you said it comes back and it's come back many times no the fingerprints are always on my arm you can see them that the, they are always like fingerprints mm. very superficial but you can see them and uh, when I get into this experience, they started bleeding for four and five days. And then they dried up like the one that are in the picture now. I don't know if you have another picture when the first day or you have only this one. I only have this one. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, so did it hurt? It looks painful. How did it feel? I don't feel anything. Mm. Absolutely anything. If you look at it, at it when it is bleeding the first day, you should say that I should be screaming from pain because it's uh, when they it was analyzed uh, in labs. They said that this is like a burn of uh, of a third degree burn, mm. so it should be very pain, painful. But this this burn, it has no infection, no inflammation, and you know what the doctor said that the etiology of this burn is not. Uh, Determined, you know, that the burn should be done by either electrical or heat or chemical. Mm -hmm. So this is not done by neither one of them. It's not electrical nor um, heat nor chemical. It's like imprinted by a powerful light. Mm. So if you see it, the first day, the first day it's uh, clearer than this one. It's uh, just uh, clear red, mm. uh, bleeding. It's the color of... Uh, of uh, red uh, blood mm -hmm. and then it will start drying the, the next day it, it becomes like a yellow mm -hmm. the third day it becomes brown and the fourth day it's like this one and then the fifth day these uh, pieces will fall down and you'll see only fingerprints mm -hmm. and this is repeated till now many times wow okay so it never it never causes you pain it uh it just comes and then goes um, I want to talk a little bit about the experience and some of the details of the experience, if, if it's okay with you. You know, in particular, I want to uh, kind of start with you mentioned that you felt a presence, but you never actually saw a, 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 an articulated presence. You just had a feeling of a being. Is that right? Yo, mo mo most of the times, the light is here. The mm -hmm. presence of this light, the light mm -hmm. is always there. Mm -hmm. But in some of these experiences, I saw the, the hello of uh, Saint Cherbil. Hmm. It's like a, 
a being of light. It's not flesh, mm -hmm. so you cannot touch him. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I want to talk a bit uh, scientifically, mm -hmm. sure. You know, if uh, you cannot estimate the distance between you and any other object without a reference, right? Okay. If I want to say that, okay, uh, this candle is uh, fifty meters away from me, I have to have a reference between me and the candle. Mm -hmm. If you are just thrown in the space and you you face an object, if you don't have a visible reference, you don't know what is the distance between you and this object. It could be a few centimeters away from you and it could be thousands of light years away from you. Right. Because you don't have any reference. You are in, just in the space. Mm-hmm. So in this case, when I saw the hello of St. Sherbel, I I couldn't estimate the distance between me and him. Mm. He could be maybe a few centimeters away from me, mm. and he could be uh, at 1,000 light year away from me, and I'm seeing him in this size. Right. So I lose the concept of uh, sizes. I don't know if he's in front of me one meter away, mm. and he's uh, like uh, six feet or seven feet tall, mm. or he is a huge Right. With thousands of light years long, but he's very far away from me because I I, I don't have any reference. Right. And, I couldn't and estimate. For, uh, for St. Charbel, actually, let me put a photo of St. Charbel on the screen so or an image of St. Charbel so people can see what he looks like here. Hold on one moment. Let's make that a little bit larger. He's like Santa Claus, but in, in black. <laughs> he's like, yes, exactly. Um, so did it, did he, the being look like this, but it had a halo? So did it have the beard and, or was it more kind of a ephemeral presence? Yeah, you know, but when, when he is, you know, you're seeing now a human being with flesh. Mm -hmm. But when he is a, a, a light being, a being of light, you cannot have all the details of his face. Mm -hmm. You can see him, you can, you can imagine him that it's the same person but in light not in flesh so you cannot see the details of his uh, of his uh, eyebrows or his, uh, mm -hmm. or his beard you can see just a, a shiny shiny being okay without all the details of his face okay that's that's great um all right so what did after the event occurred, did you have so you, you talked to your wife about it, then you went to the bishop in Beirut and explained that? And then, what, what did you have any other experiences in the immediate aftermath of that event? And what I want to ask about specifically is, did you have any strange dreams, or did you have any, uh, did anyone around you have any strange dreams that they are that they relayed to you, or did you did you witness any other strange phenomena happening? in your presence, vicinity? Uh, um, there is a lot of things, but uh, I cannot tell all the things before okay. I make sure to, uh, to be realistic, to be real things, you know, because okay. as I said, I think very scientifically. Sure. Sometimes I had um, dreams that they couldn't be just mere dreams mm -hmm. with 
with like any other people I, I dream because I'm still a human being. Sure. I'm not a superhuman. I'm not Superman. Mm -hmm. So I have dreams. Sometimes I have dreams which are really strange that I feel that they are so real. They're not just dreams. Mm. So sometimes I see beings in my dreams. I, I say it again and I stress on that. It could be just dreams mm -hmm. like any other human being. Of course. But sometimes I feel that the dreams are a bit more realistic than dreams. Mm. Especially when in my dreams I see some things that can give me a hint about things that are going to happen. Okay. So uh, when I saw these dreams, I don't give them a lot of attention, but they get to my attention when they are realized. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I see something, I think that, okay, it's a dream. I cannot discern if it's a dream or it's a prophecy, mm -hmm. let's say. But after maybe five years, six years, seven years, this dream become true. And then I realize that I saw it many years ago. Mm -hmm. So this happened to me several times. And sometimes I receive direct messages about things that are going to happen. Mm. Like the war that is going around us in the Middle East since 1996. I received a message telling me about things that are going to happen. And then after six, seven years, uh, suddenly all around us, uh, wars started in Afghanistan and then in Iraq and then in Syria, now in Israel, in Gaza, in Palestine. All these troubles that are coming now, I, I got some hints about them in 1996. Hmm. So these are the things that I, uh, I experience from time to time. But uh, it's very hard to discern when do I have something like uh, visions or uh, just normal dreams. Mm -hmm. Does your experience uh, and the ongoing experience that you have, has it influenced your science? Has it, do you feel like it's guided your science in a certain way or revealed things to you that you may not have considered before? I didn't understand the question. I, I couldn't hear you well. Sure. Does uh, the experiences that you have, the ongoing experiences, okay? And you mentioned that you're doing, you're still doing active science. Have the experiences yes. influenced your science or given you insight into the science that you're doing in a particular no, specific way? It's the other way around. It's the yeah. other way around. I, I, when I learn about new discoveries in, in science, I try, I try to apply those new theories in my experience, to my experiences. Mm -hmm. Or not to my experiences, maybe just to some events in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because in creation, you know, in the Genesis, the first chapter of the Bible, there is the, the, the tale of the creation, how mm -hmm. God created the universe. So this was, uh, and now after the, the Big Bang theories or all these discoveries that are during the last decades, I'm trying to apply the new discoveries in science to the truth uh, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, and I try to, to make a projection between the new discoveries and what God is saying in the Bible. And mm -hmm. in, in many, many places, there is a lot of, uh, of crossing between the Bible and the new discoveries in science. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm preparing now some, some lectures talking about this harmony between the new scientific discoveries and our faith and our, uh, our Bible. Mm. Stressing on a point that the Bible is not a scientific book, of course, it's a spiritual book. But in this book, there is many hints about the presence of God and his creation and the purpose of the creation. That's why I'm looking at, uh, at the truth from both sides, from the scientific side and from the spiritual side. Okay. And to know the truth, the truth is at the same time spiritual and scientific mm -hmm. because science is the truth and the spirit is truth. Right. Have, um, what do you, have, are you familiar with near-death experiences or, or people who've had near-death experiences? Do you know what I'm talking about there? Yes, of course. Um, I think that the first one who experienced, who started studying the near-death experience was called Raymond, right? He's a um, Raymond guy. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah I think so. And so a lot of the experiences uh, that are recounted in near-death experience are very similar to what you experienced, a, a communion with a, a, a light or a kind of a connectivity to all that there is, this sort of intimate oneness feeling. Do you, do you feel some, there are some parallels there to your experience and, and what people experience in, in the near-death situation? Yes, yes, yes. I, uh, even I met some people who... Uh, who went through the near-death ex, uh, experiences. And I found that uh, th there is a lot of intersection between some things that I, I lived and some things that they did. Especially the things that I'm stressing on were the light and the feelings. Hmm. The common thing between me and the people who went through the near-death experiences are those two things. This, the light, that they went in, that they cannot describe. They all talk about a, a beautiful light, undescribable light, which is powerful, bright, not burning, not hurting the eyes, and all these things that I talked about. Mm -hmm. And the, th the second thing is the, the, the feelings that they have, this feeling of peace, of uh, love, of freedom. They talk all about, they feel that they are free. And at the same time, they feel this feeling of communion, communion with uh, a special being that they are meeting mm -hmm. and a communion with uh, with the people mm -hmm. some talk about communion with the people who were deaf who, who were dead so they can feel that they are uh, they can communicate with them all they are in communion with them all at the at the same time they are in communion with this being this transcending being who is uh, undescribable, but they say all, they say that she is God. And the feeling, this feeling of, uh, as I said, the, the peace, and joy, and love, and this communion with the, the, the people who were dead, and some of them, they told me that they feel this communion with the people who are still alive, and with people who are dead already, mm. they, that they know, and with this beautiful being that is inviting them. Mm. And then when they come back, to their normal life, the one that I know and the one that I read about, 
they talk all about the, the, the radical changes in their lives, hmm. radical changes in their vision, in their uh, in their look to life, in their behavior, in their attitude, in their love to people, in their service, and in, in, in the meaning that they give to to every second that they they pass on this on this earth. Mm-hmm. Did you have a feeling of? Uh, you mentioned you were asking it questions when you were the, the presence, you were asking it questions. Did you have a feeling of instant knowing when you asked the questions? Did you feel like you instantly knew the answer in an in, in intimate way? Yeah, you know, the problem is that the, the, the notion of time is not existing. So everything is happening instantly. Mm-hmm. I said that I spent four earthly hours, four and a half earthly hours. It was like a second during my experience. So I felt that everything is happening only in one second. It was something like 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 out of time. There is no time flowing. Mm. So in this, this the, in the same second that I think I receive the the answer, everything is happening in only one second. Mm. Wow! I cannot say even in only one second because it's out of time. There is no seconds even. Right. Did it, I think it's hard to it's hard to describe, but no, no. I, well, it's I, I totally know what you mean, and there are many people who have uh, who have had similar experience to what you're describing, uh, kind of an instant knowing in that altered state of awareness. Uh, you know, I'm just curious, what is your take on individuals that that have an experience like that that may not be interpreted from the Christian perspective that you have? What what is your what is your opinion on what what they're experiencing compared to what you experienced okay i believe that there is only one truth there is no different truths let's stay let's start from this point okay okay there is only one truth and i believe that there is one creator mm-hmm. there is one 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 creator one god who created the whole universe and who created all uh, what exists but everyone on earth every people or, or, or every community they look at this truth from different angles. So there is our angle, the Christian angle, that we look at this truth as it is in Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I am the truth, and I believe that he is the truth. And I'm looking at Jesus Christ through the teachings of his church mm-hmm. to see this truth. But I believe, I deeply believe, that this truth is not exclusive for a part of humanity and like prevented from the other part. Mm -hmm. This truth is revealing himself to all the creation, to all the human beings. So every human being can experience this truth from his special angle. Mm. But there is one thing common to all these, let's say, uh, small truths. Mm. The common thing is the perfection perfection in love and the perfection in peace and perfection in, in in the values so if someone will look at the truth will experience this truth with something different than that I believe that he is looking at a different truth mm. so if someone will experience this being and will say that this being is violent or uh, full of anger and full of uh, disturbance and um, things mm. like that it's not it's not it's not God. Right. It's not the truth. It's something else. Mm-hmm. But the, if, if someone will say that, okay, I'm I I 
I experienced the presence of a being full of love and peace and joy and value and a perfection. Okay, I believe that this is the truth. This is the God that I believe in. Mm. But he saw him from his perspective while I'm seeing him from our perspective, the Christian perspective. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe in any other God out of love and peace and joy and perfection and values for a human being. And for me, the, the perfect the perfect image of God is seen through Jesus Christ. The, he is, he is, he is the, the image of the perfect love because his life, his teachings, the way he gave his life, his resurrection, his presence, his, uh, the, the fruits that came out from his resurrection are all full of love and joy and peace and spread all around the humanity. Mm. That's why I see that in Jesus Christ, all the presence of God is, is clear. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. He is the love. He is the love incarnated. He is right. the Prince of Peace. So if you want to see love, just look at the cross and see this man giving his life to the human being just to make them love God and love each other. Mm -hmm. And he's still alive. He's still working. You can see millions, I don't want to exaggerate, um, thousands of saints who are still alive, who are still um, communicating with people, who are mm -hmm. still helping people, healing people, who are still calling people for love and for eternal life. So his work is, is still ongoing. He's, he's present. He's alive. He's apply, alive in person and through the people who followed him. Mm. So this is my, my, my deep belief, Liam, today. And this is my, the essence of my experience, to invite people to get in touch with their creator, to love him, to experience his presence, and to get in touch with each other spiritually and to love each other and experience this this deep, let's say, we call it agape. It's not love. You know, love mm. is a human. Agape mm -hmm. is the divine life. Divine right. life. That's right. I wish, I wish from the deepest depth of my heart that every human being will experience this agape. It will change his life. Mm. Agape is the essence of life. When you, when you touch it, when you experience it, all your vision for life, all your theories will change. Mm -hmm. After your experience, you you founded the family, or you you started the family of Saint Charbel as a prayer group. And were there any uh, practices that you followed in that prayer group that were influenced by your experience? So, are there things that you started teaching or encouraging individuals in the group to do that maybe came from the experience that that you had? No, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm living my, my faith. Mm -hmm. So I'm inviting people, first of all, to, to start a spiritual life, mm -hmm. to start praying. Okay, because without prayers, you cannot communicate neither with your creator nor with people. Mm -hmm. I believe that through prayers, you can communicate with people much more better than through words. Right. You know, when, when we pray for each other, it's so powerful. Mm. It's so powerful. 
So what I invite people first, first of all, to, 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 to inform them that they are spiritual beings, not just material beings. They are not robots. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have a body. As St. C.S. Lewis, they, he says that we are not bodies that have spirits. Mm-hmm. We are spirits that have bodies. Right. So we are spiritual beings. The first thing that I tell people that, okay, we are spiritual beings. So start living as a spiritual beings, not as a material being or as a robot. Mm. So start communicating with the, your creator. To start communicating with the creator, the first thing I tell them to start reading the Bible. Mm. Start reading the Bible and learning the Bible. You know, it's not enough to read the Bible because I can interpret it differently. Sure. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will start teaching you through the Bible. Mm. You will start changing your life. The Bible is a life-changing book. It's not a book. Because I say to people that you read all the books, but the Bible reads you. Mm. So let the people let, let the Bible read you. Mm. So when you start this relation with, with, with God through the Bible, your life will start changing. You'll start uh, knowing uh, that... that uh, the sin is so ugly. Mm. You start uh, experiencing uh, love, uh, sharing, caring, all these things. You start living them. Then you start changing your life. And you start going towards perfection. Mm. And you will notice after one year or two or three years or year, three years or four years of your life, when you look back, you can notice this change in your life, in loving and serving your vision to life, you will be a peacemaker instead of troublemaker. Mm. Your life will change. The Bible will change your life. And this is the essential. It's not something theoretical. Mm-hmm. Just, okay, read the Bible and have knowledge. It's not a matter of knowledge. It's something practical. You experience the change in your life. You will mm. change. So this is what we are working on. So start being a spiritual being. Start reading the Bible and live the Bible. Live by the Bible when you hear the commandments or the teachings of Jesus, just go and do them, do them. When somebody will hit you on your right cheek, okay, turn the left cheek, just experience it, try it, <laughs> try it. You will see what, 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 what joy will give you this. Mm. And after that, we start living as the Maronites. As the Maronites, we have our tradition, mm. we have our way of prayers, we have our liturgy, our mass, we have our uh, prayers, so we start living uh, our tradition. So when, when, when we meet, we start by uh, Bible studies to teach the Bible. After that, we have our Mass, our uh, Eucharistic prayers. Mm-hmm. And after that, we have our prayers. Sometimes we have the, the Rosary. Some other times we have uh, different prayers. And throughout the year, we have different seasons. So now we are entering the Advent season, preparing Christmas. And after that, we have the Lent season and the uh, Eastern and all this uh, season that is going around every year. Right, right. No, that's, that's that's really helpful. Um, the it's interesting the way you talk about your tradition versus some of the traditions that are in Western Christianity. So, for example, you, you place a very strong emphasis on the 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 still active and alive nature of the Spirit of God working within your, your yourself and within the community there are many christians in the world that that kind of downplay 
that aspect of God and focused more on the literal things that are in the Bible and, and less in the activity of the spirit in, in, in the, in the world as it is today. So, but you, you see this, you, you seem to see that the, the, that the spirit of God is alive and is dynamic and changing and it's present to you through your practice, through your devotion, through your connection to other individuals. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, for us, uh, let's say Maronites, Eastern mm-hmm. churches, we, we we stick firmly to the tradition. Mm-hmm. We are very conservative. So if you if you know about our liturgy as Maronites, we are still praying now the prayers of the first church of the first century. Right. The same prayer, the same language even. We are using mm-hmm. the Aramaic and the Syriac, the language that Jesus Christ used. Mm-hmm. So we are still in this tradition. We are still doing the same the same things that the fathers, the founding fathers of the church right. did 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we are not living today some modern faith or modern way of worshiping we are still in the same way. We have the same dogmas. We have the same teachings, the same uh, liturgy, uh, liturgy, the same uh, basic things that started with the founding fathers. So we are very faithful to the teaching of the founding fathers of Saint uh, Ignatius, of uh, mm-hmm. Saint uh, the, the Saruji, uh, Saint. Uh, the saint of Alexandria, the founding fathers that founded the church. Mm-hmm. So we are still uh, sticking to their teachings, to their liturgy, to their way of prayers. We are very, very, very conservatives concerning this way. Right. So we don't, uh, we don't, uh, we don't adapt easily any new teaching which is contradictory with the teaching of the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. So well, we always it... if we have something. We believe that the Holy Spirit is still alive. The Holy Spirit mm. is still working. Mm-hmm. He is still revealing us the truth in different ways. Okay, right. we are very open. We are not closed and like like stones. No, we are extremely open mm. to new teachings, to new ideas, to new way of seeing the truth. But we don't agree on things, on new things that will contradict the old things. Right. Only the new things that are improving the old things, we can adapt them easily without any opposition without resistance right but the things that are opposing or contradicting the the teachings of the fathers we don't accept them understood i love how you described your practice uh, that night and how you laid on your back and you opened your mind and your heart to the stars and where did that where did that impetus, that desire, where did that come from? Is it something you you learned? Is it something you just sort of naturally felt you needed to do? How did how did that start for you? No, no, I remember this. I remember doing this since I was I was four years old. Okay. I was four years old. My my parents used to to, to lose me somewhere. So they were started looking at me. Where is this guy? Uh-huh. And they found me on the roof, laying on my back, stretching mm. my hands and looking at this. I love the stars. Yeah. Since I was born, I love the stars. Mm. So I started looking at the stars, and I had a special way. I don't know. It's what's like like. Uh, I, I don't know why. Mm. I love the stars, and I started by staring at one star. Take my time for for many minutes, 
and then jump to another one mm. and then to another one and you know there are big stars and smaller stars and small stars right. and during summertime and especially when the sky is clear and you know in Lebanon we have 300 days per year where the sky is clear mm. and when we are in the mountain in Lebanon where there is no electricity there is no lights on earth so it's, it's totally dark mm-hmm. you can see the Milky Way is so beautiful at night mm. So I used to to, to, to to stare at it to to, to have this uh, amazing uh, meditation on the stars to see them to, to to admire them and I was always asking questions when you think about the distance between you and the stars you feel you feel that uh, you are not just a, a small human being you can feel that you have the size of the universe that you are huge that you can understand in your mind the the hugeness, let's say, of of, of the universe, the greatness of the universe. Mm -hmm. You don't feel that you are just a human being like a drop of dust in this huge universe. You can see that you are are a part of this universe, which is huge, It's, it's really huge, but you are a part of it. You can communicate with it. You can feel it. So you can feel the stars. You can feel the galaxies. You can feel the Milky Way. You are not just because if you think about your real size in the universe, you will go into depression. <laughs> right. You, you can you, you feel that you barely exist. You don't exist even. Nobody right. will feel you. <laughs> but That's when right. you feel your real value, this is the value of the human being. Your value is that you are you are a, a conscious being in communicating in communication with the whole universe. Mm. This is the, your value. You can communicate with the creator. Yes. Without this value, you are nothing, just mm-hmm. dust. So. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely beautiful. And there's so many parallels with what you're saying to individuals that, that I talk with that have <clears throat> developed some similar practices. They, they don't necessarily consider themselves to be uh, you know, Christian believers or, or you know, talk within that kind of language, but, but they do practice some of the same uh, connectivity or connection ideas. So so they it's not uncommon for people that I talk with who will go out, they'll look at the stars, look at the sky, and do exactly what you described, really develop a connection with the the, the cosmos. And and it's a personal connection, not a impersonal, distant, cold, as you said, uh, in a far away, very small, it's very personal to them. And they feel that they get a response from that connection as well. And I would imagine you would say, that that is similar to your experience. It's coming from the same source, the same creator. It's just that individual doesn't have the language of Christianity to explain it in the way that you have explained your experience. Is that right? Yeah, those people are Christians without knowing. So, <laughs> without knowing, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, they are Christians that they don't know that they are Christians because yeah. they, are, they are communicating with Christ, with Jesus, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Mm. They are getting this peace and love. But the most important thing is the fruits. Mm. What are the fruits of these communications or experiences? Are they changing their lives? Mm. If, they, if these experiences are life-changing, they are changing their lives, they are more perfect day after day. They are working on their perfection. Because you know, Nathan, there is one truth which is the ultimate truth, which is mm. so real. There is mm. only one thing true and real in this world. You know what is it? It's death. (laughs) 
we are not sure of anything, but we are mm. not we are totally sure of one thing that we will die one day. That's right. So the most important thing is since we will die, so what will be the, the, the value of all the experiences that I live on this planet? Mm. If the the sum or the total of these experiences will lead me to the eternal life, okay, that will be great. If it's just only experiences to know more or to have more knowledge or to have more communications with I don't know who, so what will be the results? Hmm. You know, and uh, say like uh, joking, there is the theory of YFM. YFM, it's what's in it for me. Right. W-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Okay, I communicate with the universe. I communicate with the UFOs. I communicate with saints. I communicate with anyone. Okay, that's great. But what's in it for me? What will give me? What What mm. is the benefit? Yes. If it, will lead, if it will lead me to eternal life with my creator, okay, this is the point. Right. If these things will lead me to just more info in my head, Mm. I will die one day and will head my head will not exist anymore. Right. So what 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 will be the use of this? That's so right. the most important thing to get the eternal life is to get in touch with the eternal. Mm. To get in touch with him because he is the master he has the master plan. He created the world and he knows why did he create the world. It's like when the one one make the the laptop or the computer. He is the one who knows more. What is the laptop for? He will teach me how to use it. So God who created the universe, he is the one who knows why did he create the universe mm. and how to use it. So I have to listen to him, mm-hmm. to know from him, what do you want? He created me. He made me. So I want to ask him, what did you make me for? So what do you mm-hmm. want from me? Mm-hmm. So he will tell me. Mm-hmm. The most important thing is to listen to him, to tell me what does he want me to do with his creation, which is Raymond and Nathan. Mm-hmm. So the, the most important is to listen to him. This is a prayer. Praying. <coughs> excuse me. Praying is listening to the creator. Mm-hmm. Listening to, to the one who created me. To the one who made me. Just to, to know from him, what does he want me to do? What, mm-hmm. Why did he create me for? He will tell me. He will tell me through prayers he will tell me through his words in the bible through my special experience every human being has an experience with his creator when he wants to mm-hmm. he can get in touch with him right. just by praying well i wanted to ask you about that because you, you i've noticed uh during our conversation there are times when it feels as if for me uh the words are coming to you from somewhere else and I've, have you had that experience where, uh, you know, a lot of preachers might talk in this way that as they begin speaking the gospel, uh, they're saying profound things that they have not thought of before, that it just comes through them. Have you have you experienced that or do you feel like you experienced that more in in the wake and the aftermath of your experience with? Yes, Angel definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's a kind of. of uh... I cannot say revelation. It's a bit less than revelations. Mm-hmm. But you can start understanding more the words of God in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You can understand more what does he mean when he's saying this word? What does he mean What he's doing this 
this thing to, to, to people. Mm-hmm. You know, because the more the more you live with Christ, the more you will understand him. So it's like a companionship. You are living with him every day. Mm-hmm. So he will reveal to you some things through his words in different way. Mm-hmm. But you will start saying things that will be surprising you. Right. Sometimes I say things that I listen to them like other people's and I start be surprised right. of the words that are coming going out of my mouth. This is not from me. Right. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit with you know that the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible will communicate with me through his words in the Bible and he will reveal to me some new things or he will explain to me he will go deeper behind words that are in the Bible in new meanings. Mm. That's why you start saying things that they are not from you and you discover that, okay, sometimes you are an instrument for God to speak through you new things. Mm -hmm. This is the life because the word of God is alive. It's not Mm. dead words that you can read and they are dead. Right. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, I wanted to ask you, as we kind of come to the close of the show, uh, some questions about uh, maybe off-field or, or outside of the norm of what you're used to talking about. So the Roman Catholic Church has uh, not too long ago mentioned that if if it were revealed to Earth that there were extraterrestrials, for example, uh, or that we were not alone in terms of being the most intelligent species in the universe or even on the earth if there were let's say that we found out tomorrow that there were already other intelligent species on the earth more intelligent than us that had been here before or been involved with our history in a certain way uh the roman catholic church has said well that's fine we we can baptize those individuals they're a part of that you know overall picture so what, what would be your perspective on that is the, is it the same kind of perspective how would that change the way that you look at your own faith if that were to be revealed to be true okay let's start from the from the fundamentals <coughs> excuse me even if there I, I i will not i will never be surprised if uh, i will meet someone uh, extraterrestrial mm. I will not be sure because scientifically, scientifically speaking, there could be some other beings, intelligent beings somewhere in the universe. Mm-hmm. Okay, scientifically speaking, it's it's doable. It, it can exist some somewhere in the universe, I say, maybe in our galaxy, maybe in the galaxy next to us, maybe in our uh, system. Uh, I will not be surprised if sometimes we get in communication with some extraterrestrial beings. Okay? Mm. I'm talking scientifically. Spiritually, I believe firmly that we have the same creator. There is only one creator for the universe. Mm. The one who created the human beings can create any other beings on any other planet or on other galaxy. So if you get in touch with them, we have the same creator. Since we have the same creator, I believe deeply that we have the same values. Since our creator is love, so their value will be love. Mm. Since we have the same creator who who is inviting us for perfection, to be perfect as he is perfect, 
So they should be working on the same values to be perfect. So it's like uh, some Lebanese guys met some Americans. Mm. So we are on our continent. You are on your continent. Uh, before uh, Christoph Columbus, they didn't know that uh, there might be someone in the, in the continent called America. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were people living there and there were people living in Lebanon, but they didn't know that the other one exists. So maybe it's the same. Maybe there should be someone living in another planet, in another galaxy. Maybe one time we, could, we can communicate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, scientifically, till now, till now, as much as we know, as much as we discover in our scientific realm, it's impossible to communicate physically with any ETs on any other place. Mm. Because if we have light years separating us, let's say we have ETs who are away from us and 1,000 light years, we cannot cross it with the means that we have it now. We cannot cross it because we have to be disintegrated. So we we can cross it as atoms. We cannot cross cross it as Mm. tissues, as human beings. So like if you have a beehive now in in America where you live in the States, Mm. and there is a beehive now here uh, close to my house, the bees in the beehive here and the bees in the beehive there Right. Even if they know they that they exist, they cannot come one to other because their lifespan will not permit them to come from Lebanon to the States, even if they know flying. yeah, they exist. Yeah. Yeah. So and you you know that the lifetime of a bee of a bee is three or four months. So mm. or the lifetime will not permit them to go to the States. Right. So now if we have ETs somewhere in the in the universe. With the sign, with the technical means that we have now, we cannot communicate with them. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. So maybe in the future, if we will have the tools or the means to travel through light years, yeah, maybe we can discover some civilizations somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I stress on a point that we will have the same creator. Mm-hmm. We don't have our own creator here, and they have another creator there, and another creator somewhere. There is only one creator for the universe. Right. Yeah, maybe he can create human beings on Earth and uh, some other beings on other planets and other galaxies. It could be. Scientifically, it could be. I don't know if uh, sometimes we'll be able to communicate with them or not. But even if they come to our Earth, yeah, I agree with the Roman Catholic. We will baptize them. We tell them about Jesus Christ. Or it will be the other way around. They will tell us about Jesus Christ who visited them. Mm reach at them and talk to them about love and peace and communion with him and with each other. Mm. We'll have the same values. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. So one last question for you, Raymond, uh, the world we live in today is, is, is going through a lot of pain, uh, as you know, and in the Bible, the book of revelation speaks of the end of, of the, this normal world and the birth of a new one, the, the new heaven and the new earth. I was wondering if, if through your experiences, uh, have you had any visions or uh, you know messages that that connect to today that might be related in some way to the end times? 
You know, it's a very complicated topic that needs a lot of time. Of course. So maybe maybe I need two, three, four hours to to. We could do a follow up show for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe we have we have first of all to explain the Revelation book because of it's course. need an explanation. We cannot yes. explain it uh, as uh, at our own. Right. There is an explanation coming from the early church from the first century. Mm -hmm. So they interpreted the Revelation book, and we can have the same interpretation. Right. that they had the most important thing is in revelation i i believe in something which is the determinism mm. we determine our future mm -hmm. let, let 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 me be clear if we work on love and peace and understanding we will be moving in a world which is much better than the world where we are living now mm -hmm. with more values with more peace in it, with more love in it. That's why St. Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach. Hmm. We have to preach love and peace and spread among people to stop war, to stop violence, to stop all these stupidities that the human beings are doing now. So we can move in a world of peace and joy and love. Hmm. And if we don't listen to the commandments of God, if we want to do always evil, to go into war, to go into uh, into um, uh, weapon race, hmm. into nuclear weapons, into things that will bring us more violence and more death and more uh, oppression to people. Yeah, we'll go to another world, which will be a world of, uh, of hell, hmm. an ugly world. Mm -hmm. The Revelation book is the book where God, through St. John, is inviting us to work with God, to worship God, to work to peace, to spread love, understanding, to be worshipping the Creator, God, mm -hmm. to love each other and not to follow, what do you call it in English? Uh, it's in uh, the dragon, mm, yes. which is Satan so, or... Lucifer exactly. or yeah, Satan or Lucifer or the dragon is the the the, the, the yes. picture in the revelation is the dragon, the serpent. So yeah. if the people will follow the dragon, so they will be dragged to, 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 to hell. Mm. If the people will follow God and his commandments, they will be heading to heaven. Mm. So this is the message the message of the revelation. To talk about our times now, it's obvious, Nathan. It's obvious. Every eye can see that we are heading toward hell because more and more people are going away from God. They are disregarding his commandments. They are doing what they want to do. They are like competing on material things. They are mm -hmm. fighting each other. You can see haters everywhere. Mm -hmm. People I hate are hating each other. Right. They are committing all type of sins. They are not asking about God and his presence. So the result of all these things will be what we are living now. It's a kind of hell, lack of love, lack of care. Everyone is living alone by himself. There is no communion, no community. I'm not generalizing on all type of community. There are still people who are living in, in, in love and understanding. But this is the general aspect of, uh, of our humankind now. So what we have to do is to, to run quickly towards peace and love, to preach, to make people pray more, meditate more, think high, hmm. 
don't compete on material things and think always that we are just travelers in this world. We will leave everything here and go to another place. So why to be attached to ephemeral things that will be dying? Let's be attached to eternal things where we will have the eternal life. Mm. So this is the message of Christ and St. Charbel these days to all human beings. Just prepare your final destination. Be with your creator. Spread love. Spread peace. Love each other. This is the message of St. Charbel, which is the message of the Grand Master, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Beautiful. Beautifully said. Raymond, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, I haven't uh, been to a church service in, in a while, but I feel like I did go to one today, and I, I really am grateful for your time and your, your courage and speaking your truth to, to the audience and to all the listeners. Uh, I, I think your message is one of hope and of joy uh, and of peace, and that, that is something that we can all get behind. I hope that we can stay in touch. Uh, I very much enjoyed the conversation and, and look, look forward to uh, continuing that conversation as, as, as time goes on. Um, as we close, uh, where, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing? Where, where's the best place to find more information about the work you, that you have going on? Uh, very soon we will have a website for the family of St. Cherbil. They can go to the website of Family of St. Cherbil USA. They can get a lot of info about me. They can go to the Family of St. Cherbil website. It's uh, an old one. It's, it will be renewed very soon. And they can go in on Google and put Raymond Nader and they can find me on several places. I have a lot of conferences on YouTube, but it's in Arabic. So the one who understands Arabic can understand me. The others will wait till one day we'll have subtitling or dubbing or things like that. Right. And uh, for you, Nathan, Nathan, I'm, I was so pleased and honored to, to meet you, to know you. And I invite you to Lebanon once we have peace in our south so you can come. We can go up together to visit Amnaya, the Hermitage. We can pray together. We can have a, a sightseeing. Lebanon is so beautiful. It's mm. a beautiful country with beautiful mountains and forests and a beautiful sea. The, the weather is always uh, nice weather, 300 day a year, 300 days sunny year during the year. So I invite you to come and then invite anyone who is hearing me now to come to Lebanon, to visit Lebanon, not these days. We have to wait for the war to end and we have to pray for the people who are fighting each other so maybe God will put some love in their hearts to start to stop fighting. So and I'm at, always at your disposal, at your service. Whenever you need anything from me, you can get in touch you, through phone, through WhatsApp, through uh, any communication mean that you want. Wonderful. Raymond Nader, thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Thank Go you. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you.